one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is the Howling Salt Mine. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt back everybody to another episode of the howling salt mine podcast the podcast where we delve into the salty salty minds of the magic the gathering community find the saltiest stories oh the saltiest posts oh put them in our mind cart and bring them right back up to you our dear prospectors at home as always we talked about going off script like don't do that Um, yeah yeah cool cool what was that maybe let's take that again um actually sorry was that not what we discussed (laughs) it's definitely not in the contract i can tell you that much shit (laughs) fuck uh let me let me hit it again welcome to this i'll just start it how i used to start it (laughs) it's the howling salman podcast hey guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that really the old intro i think the old intro was like non-existent dude i love that I, I think we just said the name and i don't even know if we introduced ourselves i don't even remember truly it feels like it's permanently been that i feel like you were saying that intro since before i knew i think you. we've always introduced ourselves literally since episode one so now you're just making shit up i i do distinctly remember a time where i like came up with that packaged intro uh and started running it i i don't remember maybe it'll be in the wiki it was probably the episode after lua came on (laughs) honestly (laughs) as with all other improvements yeah probably was it's like you can you can track howling salt mine time in uh in 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 bl and al (laughs) before lua and after lua Uh, well, I'm your host Sam, and as always, I'm your joined. Uh, and as always, as, I'm as joined, always, I'm your joined, and here's your host. And, <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Mike and Anthony. Say hey, guys. What the fuck is wrong with you? What up? What up? What up? Hello, everyone. <laughs> they don't know that. They don't know that's my name. <laughs> I've been thinking of Antonio. Yeah. And before we get into it, guys, let's shout out our nice tier patrons. This week, we're going to be shouting out Cream Bean. Nice. Hephaestus Bolts. Nice. Prime Speaker Florian. Nice. Yef Judge. Nice. Nice. Royal Flood. Nice. And Accidental TPK. Nice. Nice. Thanks for the support, y'all. It truly is nice. Maybe we should just start adding in uh, the link. Yeah. Like between each one of them. Huh? That's what okay. That's I think be my sound effect is, moving forward. I think there's a level of I too want many sound, effects sound effects of everything. It's just, yeah. just a constant chain of, of sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of you posted that it's gonna in be like better. one of our editing documents that you were like, Are, do people find this good? Is it annoying? I did say that. Truly, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I enjoy it, but like, I hope people yeah, enjoy I think it as funny. well. <laughs> I, I definitely think it's funny. I did show restraint. Uh, with a prior episode where I did not put in the echoing fart sound effect, 
even though I mentioned <laughs> that I was going to put it in in the episode. And the world thanks you for that, Sam. Yeah, and truly it was because I didn't put it in the first cut and then I was doing the final edit to post it live and I was like, oh, I should probably add this in. And I was like, eh, uh, that's no. kind of like a trick I'm playing on Mike and Tony. Where, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Particularly me, because there's definitely moments where I listen and there's stuff that's like, you should put this in. We should do this. We should say that. And I'm like, I swear to God, if this is in here. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> buzz Killington over there. Yep. Buzz Killington. You got a buzz. I'll kill it. Don't <laughs> don't worry about who to call. <laughs> oh, man. So what is what is new, guys? What's good? What's going on in, in the magic world? In the magic world? I finally got you set up to play Moxfield OBS. Oh, yeah. So that dude. you can play online. That's what's new in the magic world. So I have become kind of obsessed with OBS. Uh, if people don't know what OBS is. Uh, it's super cool. I truly don't even know what it stands for. Uh, online broadcasting service or software or something. If people don't know Sam, they should know that he gets obsessed with things. <laughs> yeah. If people don't know something about me, uh, th this is the first fact you can take and stick in your pocket. I am an obsessive hobbyist. When I get into something, it absorbs my entire being. Yeah. And it's frankly amazing that magic has lasted this long. <laughs> when I walked you through opening like four different menus in OBS and you were like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I see that. Yeah. I got off that call and I went to Mika and I was like, yeah, it was fun explaining a bunch of stuff to Sam. I think he's going to know more about it than I do soon. <laughs> yeah, that's that's usually what happens. I, I just like completely focus on it. But dude, I've been really liking OBS. So I, I've been on a couple streams recently and one of the things people like to do when they stream is show the face the face camera and i do happen to have a second camera <laughs> nice flex dude hey you know <laughs> just gotta gotta flex look at I can. mr second camera over here uh, makes an audio <laughs> podcast and you know what i got a third camera if i borrow my wife's oh, camera snap. so i got three if i really want and turn on the foot cam for this. we got four <laughs> because you got a phone like all phones can be cams too Shit. Yeah, I didn't even consider that, man. Yeah, I yeah. definitely could do that. We could get you a film too, and then you'd really you'd be, you'd have all your angles set. Oh my god. Film Can you just camera? imagine? But yeah. the, the audio delay on them is really bad. Mm. I, I wouldn't fix it though. I'd just leave them on. <laughs> <laughs> Something with the OBS obsession started with a stream and I got like my face camera set up and was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like it's fun to have your face in webcam play. And then we had a game, this was maybe like a month and a half ago at this point, but we had a game where we were all kind of playing newer decks and turns were long and we were getting a little disengaged. And personally, I felt super disengaged. My deck wasn't doing anything that game. So I was like doing shit on the side and I was like, that's not really a polite thing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got this idea that was like, you know, like what's the difference between our Tuesday webcam games with us and Nick and this like, stream game obviously the stream on twitch is like entertainment you got to be on and stuff but the fact that my face was being shown and i could see the other faces of the other players was more engaging so i have introduced a face cam into our tuesday night magic games and uh last week mike also turned his face cam on and let me tell you that it was fucking hilarious, man. And the shenanigans, it was like some of the most fun I've had 
in a webcam game night with you guys in in a while yeah. and it's not like our webcam game nights are dull like they're very fun but that was like particularly ridiculous and yeah. super, because super every time mike did something he would blow his face up and then shrink <laughs> it back down yeah it's great dude that is the delightful part of obs here so for people that don't know like basically you set up a software that runs a virtual camera like it sets up a virtual picture and then you can stream that to whatever you want so you mm-hmm. can like layer a, one camera into a screen share or you can layer you know your one camera with a camera of your desk and do like kind of picture in picture stuff but you also just have control over the size and position and orientation of all of those things so if you want if you have like a golden throne out you can shrink your head down and be the guy <laughs> sitting on your golden throne as you <laughs> all of your friends or you can make yourself a little wan wan and put yourself out on the battlefield <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's just a lot of fun. And honestly, like, I really appreciated the added connection of being able to see your face that night, Mike, Mm because it was, I don't know, it just adds this element of like, feeling like you're, you're that like human element, feeling like you're sitting in a room playing with people versus just seeing hands. And, you know, who knows Mm -hmm. whatever people are doing in their rooms. Oh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do have a second webcam, Tony, because you have done that before. I, I have a second webcam. The problem is that it sucks. It's like shitty. So like the quality is pretty low. Yeah, I care because it's like it like like it's fine for just us or whatever. Right. Yeah, but that's it's what I'm like saying. I, I don't like it's just like a lower quality. And it I feel like it almost gives me bad vibes it's my it's my uh my covid camera <laughs> so it got me through some times but like mm. it, it like has a weird connection to me so it's also like a shitty camera so part of me is like I'll, maybe i'll just buy a new one and then not care because <laughs> i have my like nice one and then this one's like shittier well it'll be fine for your face for game night yeah exactly. even still like, no, no, no I, i'm not saying like it definitely works for those things i just am like i don't know it gives me bad vibes i don't mm. like it's, is it cursed it's the camera it's you not need to the, smudge it Maybe it's it. it I burned some fucking sage around it, dude. It's like a shitty camera that it was like the only thing available during the pandemic because every fucking webcam ever was like sold oh, out man, for a really long that? time. Crazy. And I, I paid like I don't know if it was fifty or like seventy bucks for this like shitty camera oh, yeah. that's now like twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, if that. Like, yeah, it's so bad. The the camera that I use for my face cam, like <laughs> I might have told the story in the podcast. I really don't remember. I don't think I did. But at some point while we were playing webcam games the camera that i play with which is the one that i got during covid and the one that i've been been playing with for a long time just got this like line of pink dead pixels this like vertical <laughs> line suddenly mm-hmm. and i was like i can't fucking play with this anymore so i bought a new one took that old camera and put it in like a bag of you know this like box of like electronics that i was going to throw out much like the bag of clothes that you intend to donate and you put in your car and it stays there forever. I put this out on my porch and it literally sat in that box for like a year and a half. <laughs> and then at some point I was like, okay, I'm finally going to donate all the clothes throughout this electronic trash, all this kind of stuff. And I was looking at the webcam and I was like, I wonder if this does work. Like maybe I could just have it for a face cam or something. Brought it upstairs to my office, plugged it in, worked fucking fine. Perfect. The pink line went away, completely functioning, like cooking in the summer heat and the winter cold <laughs> on my uninsulated porch somehow fixed the electronics <laughs> in it. And the beauty of it is that I can just, in OBS, if that pink line does appear, which it has a couple times, I can just crop it out and it's like mm. totally fine, you yeah. know? I feel like I also watch a lot of streams and maybe this is also a factor for me if it's like 
the people that have good cameras and the people that have shitty cameras, like it just bothers me. It makes me want to like not watch it when it's like a bad quality oh, cam. Oh yeah, it's like it's like having bad audio, like yeah. like a yeah, bad audio podcast to me. I you know I listen to it and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I feel that. You know, I mean, you should we should just get nice ones. Why why wouldn't we? We got money. <laughs> got that cash money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! You know what? Cameras and salt. And you know what else will fix yes. a pink line in your camera? Salt. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, did you put it? Well, honestly, if you put oh no, that's rice. Never mind. Mm. You know what my favorite part about the webcams is? Is that I can see when Mike gets salty. Did did mm. you enjoy salt that? Salt is frustration in the game. <laughs> did you enjoy watching me? sink lower literally sink lower and lower into my seat as i realize i have less and less of a chance of resolving a turn yeah i kind of do (laughs) fine then i'm going down no come back your camera's blurry oh man it's it's happening blurry it's always Um, blurry but yeah let's get into it guys let's fucking hit this but sam into this one what is salt Salt is frustration. I don't like this thing you're doing where you're not thanking me before you do it. So you should say, thank you, Tony. Great question. And then go into the thing. Um, but anyway. Wow. Wow. Dude, are, are, you, are you doing okay, Tony? Damn. That's a lot of need for this validation. Bullshit. Uh, honestly, it's part of the bit. This seems like a perfect opportunity to use my once a month contractual <laughs> obligation where I can say I'm not defining salt. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Go listen to another episode if you don't know what salt is. <laughs> I'm allowed to do this. You're once not a month. gonna get it here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. You'll pick it up through osmosis through the episode. <laughs> nice. Well, then let's get into the fucking mind, baby. Well, let's let's get, get there. Let's get into the. Mind. Let's ride the cart. Oh man, yeah. Let's ride the cart. You know, <laughs> that's also what kids these days say when they really need that. When they're chasing that nicotine <laughs> that high, nicotine buzz. Just ride the cart, baby. <laughs> Is that what they the say? Cart. Dude, did you hear about? Did you hear about Franklin down the street? Yeah, he's riding the cart, man. Oh. <laughs> blowing cotton. He's blowing cotton and riding the cart. Franklin. Is that is that a kid? Is that name the turtle? Nowadays? That like the turtle? Yeah, tons of people are naming their kids Franklin. Is Probably. it a turtle? Yeah, Franklin the turtle, <laughs> Franklin dude. The turtle, dude. Yeah. Hey, it's Franklin. You know, all the slow stop signs oh, have been modeled that. after. But I also remember Bidya Bidya. What was that? that? What was that okay. song? What is that? That's Gullah Gullah Island, which is very Gullah different. Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Binya Binya isn't a turtle. He's a polywog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, I know, I know. It just no, makes you me don't think know, of actually. You clearly didn't. No, I stop yelling at me. <laughs> Mike doesn't even know who Gullah Gullah is. Uh, that means Gullah Gullah isn't to a me. person. It's a place. It's the island. Shut up. Whatever. Tony, if you want to come on here and be smirch, binya binya. You're getting me frazzled. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> all right. Let's just put our foot in our hand. That means hurry up for all the good things that we have planned. And let's move on to the first story here. People yeah. who know that reference are fucking loving it right now. You're going crazy. <laughs> what going is that? Absolutely is that crazy. Booyah, booyah. Whoa. From Blango, Blango Island. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hit our first story here, huh? So, this first one is a website submission and it comes to us from our friend Christopher. Hmm. And the post is titled 
am I the baddie or the Batman? Mm. Baddie being B-A-D-D-Y. And I don't think uh, Christopher means the like modern interpretation of the term baddie, which is like a very attractive person. <laughs> yeah, he might, though. They might. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. I feel like this is how I interpreted it. I feel like I didn't need the clarification. You're still mad about the Gullah Gullah Island thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is this all because I didn't thank you for the song? Just read the fucking post, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is a long one. So let's buckle in, folks. I'm buckled. Click. Wow. And there's some effort put into this. So let's let's fucking do it. Hell yeah. Enter scene. Fade into a dimly lit gymnasium, a circle of budget foldable chairs, courtesy of the recent local Costco sale, rings a lone figure in the center of the basketball court. I'm really painting a, wow. a word picture in my I've, mind's yeah, eye. I've been taking like on a that. journey. I like that a lot. <laughs> the figure of average height, but wearing an ancient quilt as some sort of half-assed MacGyvered impression of a hooded robe glances around the circle at his fellow prospectors wearing their own array of discarded linens. The smell of stale coffee and banal. Yes, pronounced like anal, Sam. Actually, it's not. Uh, it's not banal. It's, it's pronounced banal. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, sorry to I'm actually you like that, but it is pronounced banal. <laughs> the smell of stale coffee. I love I love that the, I think they were anticipating you pronouncing it as banal. <laughs> it, it is not. I I'm just going to pause real quick and look it up. I'm pretty sure. No, it is it is banal. I have never heard this You've word. never heard this word? You've never heard Ooh, banal? Actually, some some this thing is telling me banal. Banal is how it's pronounced. I've heard banal, but banal, but it's definitely not banal. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Let's continue. We're getting lost in the sauce. Is this the sauce? <laughs> this this is the sauce. <laughs> Prospectors, sometimes we record doubles. <laughs> and the second episode gets a little bit silly. And this is one of those episodes. The smell of stale coffee and banal donuts permeates the air as the figure in the center begins to speak. Forgive me, fellow lords of salt, for I have sinned. It has been roughly a year since this transgression transpired, but I can no longer remain amongst you with this brine upon my chest. I must come clean. Is this a tale of the saltiest retribution I have ever been a part of, or a surprisingly sugary tale of the ultimate justice? I await your judgment. It all started when I was in San Diego for work. I happened upon a local gaming store on my off day with high hopes of getting in a few games of EDH, for some much-needed relaxation. Things started off great. I played two games of casual with some locals and had a great time. Then, as things do, the pod broke up with all three of the pod members leaving for the day. Since it was mm. still early evening, I had nothing better to do with my time, and I decided to try my luck again and join another pod. I joined a second pod and happily greeted the duo that were sitting down for their first games of the evening. We shall refer to them henceforth as Bill and Ted. Nice. Excellent. It's going to be an excellent adventure. Yeah, most excellent. <laughs> Bill and Ted were both relatively new to the EDH scene and were looking for a nice game with their recently purchased pre-cons. Now, whenever I travel, I have very limited space, so I only had four decks with me at the time in my traveling case. I had a low-powered mono-black zombie deck, two mid-powered casual decks, and a fringe CDH deck, Aruth the Tormented Prophet. I proceeded to pull my zombie deck out and started shuffling up while we chatted and waited for a fourth member to drop in. The store was very busy and it didn't take long for a voice to chime in and ask if he could play with us. 
Enter our fourth player, who shall henceforth be known as Douche. <laughs> I wonder how this story is gonna go. Yeah, I can't believe they're really calling Bill out like this. Huh? Yeah, you think? You, I Bill's think Bill is the troublemaker here. I yeah, think Bill's yeah. really Bill's yeah. really gonna be a problem There's, player. This other guy's just very clean. So <laughs> <laughs> he's got a very clean banal. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as Douche sat down and placed down his Telltale Star City Games mat, we all greeted him warmly and made sure to tell him of the low, casual pace of the game that we were intending. Douche smiled and tossed back his greasy hair. Oof. Oh, great. I have this Muldroth of the Gravetide deck that I've been Ooh. wanting to try out for lower power games. Ooh. Now, sports fans, if you've been playing EDH for any time longer than a month, you should already know where this is going. With the sound of a faint warning klaxon shrieking in the distance, we begin... Our first match. Ted is lucky and goes first, playing a respectable turn one mountain followed by a soul ring. He smiles with the twinkle in his eyes of a baby seal, not yet knowing that the club is about to descend. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Man. The word picture was too vibrant there. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it was the exact amount of vibrant that I wanted, but (laughs) the turn goes to douche. Very nice, quoth the douche. But watch this though. Douche proceeds to turn. Man, I'm just getting <laughs> the very nice is giving me uh, American Psycho vibes where they're where they're looking at. Have you guys seen American Psycho? Where yeah, looking at the fucking business the card, cards? the subtle thickness of it, the subtle thickness of it. <laughs> very nice. The off white coloring, the subtle uh, off white shading. <laughs> yeah. Did the story say "quoth the douche"? Quoth the douche. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> But watch this, though. Douche proceeds to turn one tropical island, lion's eye diamond, mana crypt, ristic study. I won't bore you with all the details, but needless to say, Muldrotha came out turn three. And by turn five, Douche was continuously looping Mind Slaver and Glacial Chasm out of their graveyard. Ugh. The game ended quickly with Douche controlling everyone's turns and having us all kill each other. Much to my surprise, Bill and Ted quickly agreed to a second match with Douche. Oh, oh my God. Bill, Bill and Ted. Ted. Bill what and Ted. Doing? Those guys go on excellent adventures, but they are not very smart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this, my friends, is where I may have sinned. Upon hearing the quick request for another game from naive, innocent Bill and Ted, I felt within my breast a rising surge of vigilante justice. I could not abandon these sweet idiots to another slaughter. (laughs) I could not allow this villain, this cretin, to get away with his dastardly plan. So I did what any normal average man would have done in my shoes. I pulled out a Ruth. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Turn one, I played out City of Brass, Jeweled Lotus, casting a Ruth. Turn two, I top-decked Jessica's Will in Mana Crypt, played both into Goblin Lore and proceeded to storm off into Aetherflux Reservoir and activate it at 54 life to delete Douche's smug face before he had drawn his second card of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Also, to send a message, I passed the turn and died with the help of a 2-1 creature from Bill and my Mana Crypt trigger on the next upkeep. (laughs) With my goal accomplished, I happily packed up my gear and sat and chatted with Bill and Ted while they played out the match. Douche, meanwhile, had quietly picked up his things and left the store after he was vanquished, no doubt slinking off into the night in search of easier prey. (laughs) Now I ask all of you, am I the baddie for playing a CDH deck into a pre-con level game in order to exact vengeance on the slimiest kind of player? 
Or was my act redeemable in its intentions? Mm. I tell you this tale not to boast of my own accomplishment of piloting a CDH deck against precons, but instead to raise the question, when, if ever, is vigilante justice acceptable in this form? Dude, he is the Batman. I don't give a shit yeah. what anybody else says. Fucking Batman there, I think bro. He's, I think he's more the Punisher, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. no remorse complete vengeance focus yeah, yeah. Uh, and dies also i don't know he's the hero we needed in what i in my opinion <laughs> also i think we can be confident that you're not boasting because the story ends with you losing to precons on a cdh deck yeah so i i don't think there's any boast uh going on here yeah Man. i can't get over the quill in your hand <laughs> like this, this is good like this is written very well i enjoyed this story yes. thank you it was very yeah, good it please send us yeah. another uh, yeah <laughs> i would like to read it on the show <laughs> oh damn it's just well written and it must be banal i don't know yeah <laughs> i mean now i doubt myself because this was so well yeah. written i'm not sure it could be banal who knows i feel like this this took like all of those things I learned in like middle school about like writing and having flourishy fun words and things and like did it. And then I went to engineering school and they're like, get rid of all that shit. Just put the facts and like <laughs> yeah, as few words as possible. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like a breath of fresh air. I love this. So yeah. Much. I mean, you know, this follows the hero's journey, dude. We, 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 yeah. <laughs> we had it all. <laughs> the call to action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The call crossing the threshold, dude. <laughs> the ordeal oh man it ordeal was, it was very good and then of course the ultimate reward at the end yeah oh <laughs> man playing a moldrotha like this is the ordeal i, I do think it's interesting because i i feel like one testing a deck when you know people are playing pre-cons it's like maybe not the right thing and yeah. two that just feels like you know with the hand that they kept Tropical Island LED Ristic study, he already was playing a CDH deck yeah, against yeah. these decks, right? Like maybe he wasn't playing a CDH deck, but the only cards you mention are the CDH cards from it. So like it's clearly strong. It's clearly strong. Yeah, the signposts of a CDH deck were there. Like you're you're passing the street signs saying CDH deck over here. And then, you know, maybe there's a Mind Slaver loop at the end, which isn't quite CDH, but like the path there was... Well, no, but you're playing Moldrotha to yeah. purposely recur it. You've created yeah. enough yeah. mana right. to like be able to do that every turn. Like that's not jank casual. Like right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not even mid casual. That's like high power. Like it's clearly in a tier that... It's trash everyone, magic. Everyone would... Yeah. It's, it's no holds barred <laughs> trash magic, yeah. which is which is a casual tier. If we haven't talked about trash magic in a while, it is the highest power of casual tier. You're stinky. You're dumping trash on the board. Everyone's salty and mad, but it's even. So it's actually cool and fine. So when it's not even, it is not cool and fine. Yeah. So damn, bro. This is a good one, man. We're pretty anti-pub stomping around here, but I think that like sometimes you need to give someone a taste of their own medicine. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it clearly worked in this situation where that player bounced out of the LGS. I mean, Bill and Ted were just happy to play their match. And and I think you also did the right move in crushing that person and then kind of removing yourself from the game. And I also like that you didn't even remove yourself from the game by scooping, that it was actually done through like damage and game actions from the yeah. other players at the table. Like yeah, I, yeah, I think that's nice. a classy exit as well. Yeah, And the yeah. message was sent, right? Because it's like, 
I have 54 life. Like it's right. not like uh, you don't. It was like, you don't need to use what? it right. Then. I'm gonna fucking yoink you right now. I'm right. not even gonna give you a chance. Right. I'm not even gonna try to get to 64 life. Yeah, and, have and a I'm fighting gonna chance. die. I'm from doing that bare minimum here. Fucking two two yeah. and my mana crypt trigger. Yeah. <laughs> so I good. love that. I, I really. It's just. It's a classy move. I really, really dig it. Yeah. Vigilante yeah. justice meted out appropriately. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, what do we think about the salt rating on this one? Oh man, it, it's a roller coaster of salt, right? Because it ends sugary sweet, but there's a lot of salt to get there. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel for for poor Bill and Ted, who might be so aloof that they're none the wiser to what even occurred around them. But they, they were pub stomped and then saved from a second stomping. So I just love that he's like, I had to protect these two lambs lined up for slaughter. Yeah, like... yeah these two lovable idiots. These <laughs> <Yeah>. these sweet <laughs> idiots. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I was like just uh, two golden retriever boys, you know, just yeah, like yeah. happy to be there. Just happy to hang out. <laughs> in our last episode we talked about like a player kind of looking out for some some newer player maybe at their table yeah i love to see the, kind of the extreme taken of that of like i'm not just gonna socially kind of stand up for you here i'm gonna also play i'm gonna roll up the sleeves i'm gonna yeah. get a little dirty yeah. I'm, gonna, yep. I'm gonna do I'm you gonna do some work <laughs> yeah let, let me don my here. cowl before i, I do <laughs> this you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, so wait, so the 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 cowls, the the robes and cowls and the banal, uh, the donuts. That was him coming to confess to us, right? Oh yeah, that that's us yeah. all in a, in a gym, dimly lit gymnasium, yeah. having some coffee and anal donuts or whatever they were. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> drinking coffee, munching on butts, and you know he comes to us with this this lovely story. And and confesses and we we pass judgment and the judgment it's favorable it's pretty good <laughs> yeah. I think we found yeah <laughs> the court is pleased yeah yeah the court is very pleased <laughs> I mean this episode title has to be banal donuts banal donuts <laughs> there's no way it's not <laughs> but we gotta go further uh, into the bind I gotta I need more. More salt. I, I think the title is either Banal Donuts or Quoth the Douche. <laughs> Quoth, Quoth the Douche is so... What a powerful three right? words, man. Yeah. What a powerful phrase. Quoth the Douche. Yeah, I mean, that's going to oh. live down in history. Nice. Fucking Shakespeare it's more wrote time. That. Yeah. Shakespeare wrote that. And Poe, too. Yeah, yeah. From Teletubbies. Yeah, from yeah, the red one. <laughs> the red one. <laughs> yeah, that's who I meant. <laughs> uh, an Edgar Allan Tinky Winky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's let's move deeper into the mine, y'all. Let's get into another story here, shall we? We shall. Yes. We get another story here. You know what, guys? Let's jump into Reddit for this next one. The Hell EH yeah. subreddit. This one comes to it. us from our friend Zed's Horde. <laughs> and if you guys see Zed's Horde around the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that. Goodwill. And I hope that that is a reference to Lord Zed from Power Rangers, uh, who was a real menace back in the day. Very scary looking guy. And this post is titled, My Red Deck Got Banned from My LGS. Ooh. And the story goes, hello, I play for the win, 
but I want to do so in uncommon or fun ways. Hmm. I have not seen a red burn deck win in ages. Yes, they exist, but normally the deck gets the table down to three players, but then just fizzles or requires a cheap combo to win, which in essence is not a burn deck. Death by Flames is the only victory we want to claim. The meta is very much green favorite color, combo unfair, guh. It does say guh. Hmm. So I built mono red. Both trees and your life total don't like fire. I absolutely tore my LGS a new one with a relatively tame deck. It's just Dragon's Approach theme with Solfim at the helm. Mm -hmm. For a red deck, including its sideboard, it really came to the fist fight with a flamethrower. It was able to adapt and keep the pressure on the table. Also, it has won with more than just Dragon's Approach. Dragon's hurt, but then there's Balefire Dragon. Heartless Hitetsugu is the boogeyman. Wheel of Misfortune somehow becomes a nuke. Descent into Avernus feels like kerosene on a bonfire. The downside, my LGS declared the deck oppressive. Not CDH, but oppressive. Meanwhile, there's a discard Edict Turgrid deck at the same LGS. I could not believe my ear holes. In my opinion, this is like <laughs> a solid 7 or 8 power. Give me your hot take. Roast it. Compliment it. Advise some upgrades. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. The games are quick. Everyone got to cast their commander and fill it with their cards. The deck list is the Inferno Approaches Saltham Power 8. Has this ever happened to you or have you shared a similar experience? What commander gets thrown in jail at your LGS? So I want to read a few cards here. I want to get the feel for what we got going on. We're, we're looking at a Solfim deck on Dragon's Approach. I don't think we've read any of those here. So Solfim Mayhem Dominus. Uh, is a legendary creature Phyrexian Horror, costs two generic mana and two red, and it is a 5-4. And it says, if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And then for one mana and two red Phyrexian mana, you can discard two cards and put an indestructible counter on Solfim Mayhem Dominus. And then Dragon's Approach is a sorcery. It costs two and a red, and it says Dragon's Approach deals three damage to each opponent. You may exile Dragon's Approach and four cards named Dragon's Approach from your graveyard. If you do, search your library for a dragon card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. And the most important piece of Dragon's Approach is it says a deck can have any number of cards named Dragon's Approach. Dragon's Approach decks are pretty like classic EDH burn decks because mm -hmm. you can get over the singleton rule. You can run as many of them in your deck as you want. And it does three damage to each opponent. So it's like, you know, three lightning bolts basically. And then it has mm -hmm. this dragon tutoring synergy. So with Sulfim out, obviously you're doing six damage to everybody when you cast one of these. And with like cost reducers and storm and all that kind of stuff, these decks can can cook pretty hot, you know? Yeah. It also even pairs well with Solfim's discard ability. Like you pay one mana and four life and discard two dragon's approaches to get that much closer to an actual dragon's approach that's going to get you a tutor. So it's really pretty nice. I think this is an interesting one. I can totally see a deck like this being fair. I think having the the shout out of like a Turgrid also in the pod, which is like a classically oppressive, obnoxious deck. Yeah. Makes it really odd to to get this one banned. I almost wonder, like, are you being a jerk while you're playing it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm that confused about the ban for it because it's really you're playing a disadvantaged strategy in a format that is 
and in a meta that has other like kind of obnoxious things like i could see this living in a world where it's right on that edge like we talk about this sometimes of like decks that are just too strong but aren't quite cdh yeah even this just doesn't strike me as like actually being that level i mean i feel like these types of decks tend to wipe the board a bunch because of the fact that like that's how they don't die Mm. and so even if it unintentionally happens I feel like with red decks like this, like where you're doubling uh, the damage you're doing and stuff, it happens naturally like many times, like and many times can be like two or three times a game. Like nobody wants their whole board wiped multiple times. And if you're playing the deck over and over and it just keeps doing that to like sustain itself because that's how it wins, which Mm -hmm. I'm not faulting you for. But like that is what people usually find more oppressive rather than just their life total being gone after because usually the reason these decks lose is because the other three players are like, all right, we're going to die if we don't do something like now. I don't know. I've played against um, some folks from the Discord that have this deck and like you can go from 40 to like 10 in a turn very quickly out of nowhere. So like if that's also happening all the time, like sometimes as pained as it is for me to say it sometimes people don't want the game to be super short uh they want it to be longer than just like a couple turns so that they can like do their thing there's such a balance to all of it right feels like it could never really win so i have a couple pieces of information to add to this the first one is we do have the deck list let's take a look through the deck list and just like poke at some of the cards looking at it it's like a pretty classic edh burn list i would say pretty accurate for a power level eight deck you know, it is efficient. It's got powerful things like <laughs> Dockside. It's got Bergy in it. A couple things that jump out to me are like Thrumming Stone, which gives your spells Ripple, where oh, when you yeah. cast a spell, you can reveal the top four cards of your library yeah. and cast a spell with the same name. That is also extremely classic to a Dragon's Approach deck. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just something that shows up. Actually, Thrumming Stone is something that shows up in the vast majority of EDH decks that use any card that kind of breaks that singleton rule right you know, where it's like relentless rats or whatever well, yeah because most of the time you cast the one thing and then you get every single one out you of get your all deck. the other ones exactly i do have to say i also love the blood moon in the sideboard <laughs> well i saw that and i was like no wonder they fucking hate you but then i saw it was a sideboard <laughs> and the pyrohemia yeah there's some there's some heat <laughs> that that is kept out of the deck which is very interesting but, you know, there's things like Bergy, God of Storytelling, which is going to help enable a storm strategy. Whenever you cast a spell, you get a red. You've got Vidalcan Ories. You can cast things with flash speed. You've got Ruby Medallion as another cost reducer. And then, like, some pretty decent draw when it comes to to red decks. You know, you, you've got some good draw in there. I mean, there's Underworld Breach in there, too. There, there's a bunch of, like, damage doublers and incidental damage, like Gutter Snipes, so you're casting an incident or sorcery, dealing two damage to each opponent, which becomes four. So even just some of these things that are pretty minor, you know, you look at, like, having a Gutter Snipe out, casting a single Dragon's Approach with Sulfim on the board. Well, now you've just melted everybody for 10. So this stuff adds up pretty fast, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, Tony, where it's like, Sometimes when a deck is fast like this and it puts a lot of pressure on the table, people equate that with like a high power level when it's not really super overpowered compared to the other things at the table, but but it is speeding up the pace of the game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it might speed it up faster than what you're familiar with in, in a typical pod. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like burn decks in standard and in other formats, in like 1v1 formats, the whole point, right, is you're trying to get in kind of under these other decks. You're trying to be relevant at the point in the game that they're still not relevant. They're still just like building up their strategy and building up their plan. And traditionally, we talk about burn decks having a disadvantage in EDH because you have to go through 120 life instead of just going through 20 life. So that's just a a huge increase in what your deck needs to accomplish. But that concept of getting in kind of under these other decks going off in casual, there's more of a window for that. Like people are less interactive in the early turns in a lot of casual commander games. Yeah. And so if that's when you're shining, that's when you're starting to like go out fast and get damage out. Yeah, that's going to be like really hard for people to keep up with. But that's the part about this being a burn deck that I don't really see it doing that. There isn't crazy fast ramp in here. There's a soul ring and land and and a (laughs) ruby medallion. It's not like this deck is just cranking out a bunch of mana and then doing this on repeat immediately all the time super fast. I mean, there wasn't a Heb, there was a Jessica's Will, there was like sure. a bunch of things that like get you there pretty quickly. But yeah, but but those are things you're playing turn four and then starting to to churn, which is like still kind of the pace that a lot of decks are gonna function in yep. in Commander. I think with decks like this, a lot of it is shock with how quickly your life total ticks down. Because people don't really think like going into a game like, okay, Solfim, damage doubler, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you land Solfim and on the next turn you cast two dragons approach. And they're like, oh shit, I just lost 12 life in a single Almost turn. a quarter of my life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I'm I'm getting drained like crazy. Yeah. And it, it puts the pressure on the table. But looking at this to me, this feels like a very fair power level eight deck as, as you advertised. I will also shout it out because you got a fuck ton of views on this, dude. Like you got like 13,000 views on this list. So clearly it's like a list other people have referenced when it comes to Sulfim Burn, you know? So I do have another piece of information for this one. I did talk to this person a little bit. So this is sort of the epilogue of the story. The LGS reached out and apologized for how they handled the situation. They have a group of like regulars at the store that were really vocal in complaining about this. And they kind of, it seems like they indicated they reacted to appease those regulars so that it would be, you know, they wouldn't like stop playing there and stuff Mm. like that. Um, And kind of like gave them some support on the side. That said, their deck is still on the wall of shame and in the store ban list. And other things that are on that are Yuriko, Edgar Markov, and various other powerful commanders too. I would hazard a guess that that Turgid commander is pushing towards getting on that wall as well. Yeah, Is it all commanders with that? Like you just can't run commanders that are on the wall of shame. Yeah, that's an interesting yep. point. It's almost the wall of fame. But... It is. <laughs> well, that is what Zed's Horde said. They were like, <laughs> in a way, I feel proud to take such a basic red deck to a point where it's considered as oppressive as Eureka. Uh, which I love playing as well. So sue me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, I think that's a huge distinction, honestly, in, in how this story pans out. Like if it's just we're banning your deck, that's totally different than like the store deciding that a certain commander is, yeah. is banned overall. That's yeah. that, that is really different. But to get Sulfim up on that wall, I do not think Sulfim, no. in my mind, is as powerful as Eureka or Edgar Markov. No, yeah. I don't either. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't consider that either. I think it also kind of sets up a bad, (laughs) 
because again like some people are going to view that as like oh the wall of shame and some will view it as the wall of fame and yeah, so dude. those people are going to start to just try and make more toxic decks <laughs> like they're like oh so i made this one toxic deck and i got up there what can i do that <laughs> replicates yeah. that it gets it banned <laughs> like there are definitely people that will think that way uh not everybody but it's an interesting system yeah I mean, I'm definitely a sicko when it comes to that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I try to build a deck to make other people salty, but generally when someone is like, this is a rule system we're playing within, I'm like, how can I exploit that and be very powerful? I'm a min-maxer, folks. It's just going to be like a fucking stacks deck where nobody's allowed to do anything. And then, oh, I, would never, I would never do that. Simple no, smile no, with would a never. thumbs up. Ne- would like resource denial would never be one of his main favorite archetypes. In CDH, <laughs> it's fun. In casual, it's not cool. CDH is just the principle you explained of like you're going to push things to the, the limit in general commander. Like yeah, <laughs> and the thing that you went to was resource uh, denial. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm mm. innocent, and this is slander. And you know, we'll, well, well, how are we feel about this? What's the salt rating? I was gonna say, what's the salt rating on this one? What <laughs> we do we pull think? my ripcord. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. <laughs> this would be salty for me if if I made a deck that I was excited about and it was performing well, and the reason that I couldn't play it anymore was because some dweebs that literally could not handle the heat were complaining about yeah. it in a store. I'd be mad about it. I'd be like, let me play my my deck. Uh, at the same time, I really do think you just kind of have to view it as a as a Hall of Fame moment and keep the deck together and play it other places besides that LGS, you know? And then every time you play it, you get to intro it with, so this deck got banned. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me, I agree. I think it's high salt. Our friend here is definitely taking it in good stride, just having a great attitude about it, which I I think I would be a lot more salty if this happened with a deck that I built because there's some significant investment in this deck. Like one, it's a well-designed deck. It is really dope. I want to build it and play it. (laughs) But, But also... There's investment in this. I mean, this isn't a cheap deck. You know, this is almost an $800 deck. And this is time spent. Maybe cards were purchased to build this deck and put it together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say that the other piece of the epilogue is that this player did find another LGS to play at and is playing this deck there without other people complaining at all. It just really seems like a meta mismatch thing where this deck isn't so oppressively strong. It's a great deck, but not so oppressive that I would say it's going to completely you know wreck any game i play against it but if you have a meta that is not used to playing against burn like this it is going to have an impact i mean i think Mm -hmm. we felt similar heat unintended when nick debuted his neheb deck against us and we were all just like holy shit like this deck is fast and it is slinging a lot of damage and and we need to like shift our strategy when we play against it yep he's not steamrolling us every single game we play against neheb but we have a respect for the power no because we have to steamroll neheb now (laughs) yeah exactly we just still let him keep (laughs) it I feel like that's just we've we've talked about this in the past, but it's like that's tends to be what happens more with these types of decks. Like it's meta dependent. The meta starts to figure out what the problem is, mm-hmm. and it's usually letting the commander stay around. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you just remove it or you lose. Like those are your two options. So like people start to hold removal and things and search for it to deal with you. 
I do also feel like burn here is a hilarious one. It's just so funny because I agree in commander too. people get so up on life gain. And so people are running these like crazy life gain decks out there and no one's batting an eye. And that's just going to completely run over this like burning deck usually unless they can like control the board more. Yeah. Well, it's the same reason that like gross Simic landfall decks are somehow acceptable. But when you are stacking the board and limiting lands, people go crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's something that our, our listener dash hope 69 used to rail on was that like mass land destruction isn't as broken and horrible as you think. The real broken thing is dropping like six lands in a turn and ramping ahead super, super far. Yeah. But that has just become like an acceptable thing in the overall meta where some of these other strategies aren't. Honestly, I think one of the biggest bummers with this is that that meta at the LGS there didn't mm-hmm. choose to rise to the occasion with this deck because I think it's important to have meta-busting decks so things don't get stale. And mm. sometimes you have a deck come into your meta that just fucks everybody over and you have to be like, okay, pause, let me shift, let me build my decks a little bit different with this in mind and kind of grow as a player and a deck builder, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you guys up for another salty story? Fuck yeah, baby. Definitely. Let's hit number three here. So this one comes to us from Motman, and this is a submission through our lovely website, howlingsaltmine.com or thehowlingsaltmine.com. And this is a salty confessional. Do you think they like Mott applesauce? Is that what this this is referencing? I don't know. Hmm. I think Mott's is two T's, right? This is a single T. So this Uh, could be Mothman, but like the H got dropped. Hmm. (laughs) the wise mot man the mot man the mysterious mot man mysterious Mysterious mot man Man. he just comes out with applesauce (laughs) it's a funny video there somewhere someone can take that idea and run with it um and the story goes hey guys i got a salty confessional so when i was building my carador deck i debated angel of serenity it's like a white world gorger dragon, but I just utterly disagree with its wording and mechanics. I understand that it's legal to sacrifice it as the ETB resolves and then the LTB never happens. My point being that the enter the battlefield means it entered and hit the battlefield so the LTB should trigger. I have a friend that just can't fathom my reasoning behind my spiteful declining of not running it. I just disagree, but understand wasn't going to ever write this salt, but after listening to Mike Carosa in episode 35, I knew I should. Do you guys have anything you refuse to run for any reason? Thanks. P.S. Blue is a trash color. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so to understand this one, we obviously got to read this fucking angel, right? Yeah, we got to. So this is Angel of Serenity. Uh, it's expensive. Seven mana. It costs four and three white. It is a five, six flying angel creature. And it has two abilities. The first one is when Angel of Serenity enters the battlefield, you may exile up to three other target creatures from the battlefield and or creature cards from the graveyard. And then it says when Angel of Serenity leaves the battlefield, return the exiled cards to their owner's hand. Hmm. So if you put it in, put the enter the battlefield on the stack, then you remove it and it leaves the battlefield. The leaves the battlefield trigger will resolve first. The exiled cards, quote unquote, which there are none yet, go to their owner's hand and then the enter the battlefield effect resolves and those those three creatures are exiled. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, you definitely can do that and make it so the LTB never happens. I'm trying to like understand this. It sounds like he's saying, so I understand it's legal to sacrifice 
as the ETB resolves and the LTB never happens. Well, it does happen. It's just there's nothing there. My point being, the enter the battlefield means it entered and hit the battlefield, so the LTB should trigger. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of like how World Gorger Dragon works and how, like, Relic Order, what is it? Lean and Relic Order. Honestly, yeah. from, from that explanation, it makes me think that maybe, like, a friend explained it to them or something and tried to explain it as if the LTB never happens because oh, there's yeah. something where you sacrificed it before the enter happened. So just the enter happens. And and that's not the case. Both triggers happen, but yep. since the leaves the battlefield trigger resolves first, there's nothing for it to return to a hand. So yeah. this could just be like a little, like you get the right outcome of that this works, but not necessarily knowing why. Be a little rules oopsie. Could be a little misinterpretation uh, with our, our OP here. I, I could see that just being like confusing and frustrating enough to refuse to to play a card or to it, not yeah. want to play a card though. Yeah. You know, especially if it's like a debate that comes up with someone in your play group every single time you play a card and they're like, no, I insist it works this way. And you're like, I think it works this way. Like that could be frustrating yeah, that would enough be to annoying. not even play it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The question here, though, is like, are there cards that we have that we refuse to play for some reason, right? Yeah. I feel like for me, it tends to just be, I find them as they, as I play them because everybody hates them. Some people are more vocal about it than others. Ah, Sam. <laughs> uh, are you talking about Ifnir? Ifnir, dude? Fuck that card. <laughs> fuck that fucking card. That's not a card you're not playing because you don't want to play it. No, but I'm saying like, that's like, how it tends to happen for me. Like, I don't think I really have cards that exist in that category of like, I wouldn't play them or don't play them for like maybe a rules thing or something. I probably should in some scenarios, but <laughs> you know what I've really wanted to build for a while is like a banding deck. But like, I knew that Mike and Sam would shoot me because I wouldn't understand the rules of oh, banding. If you didn't understand oh God, it dude. and you built it. I would. At, yeah. I would. Why would you, why would you do that? I wanted us? to do like a flanking banding <laughs> to make us concede. I would make you concede whenever you tried to use those abilities and didn't know what they did. <laughs> I, but the, that's why I never built it. Cause I was like, you lose uh, too many there's, games. There's not enough. Uh, there's like not enough stuff quite yeah. to like build like a deck that's all around that thing. Those mechanics exclusively. I'm, I'm salty that you even considered building a deck that you don't know how to play just to piss us off. <laughs> well, yeah. I, no, it, it wasn't to piss you guys off. It's that I knew you'd be pissed off because I would be trying to do it, and I was like, "This is like confusing as fuck," <laughs> and like <laughs> it would just like get stressful. So I was like, I can't play this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're correct in that. In that. Yeah. You cannot play that. (laughs) But I didn't build it. (laughs) But I was like starting to like try and figure it out. And I was like, this would be confusing. So I stopped. Mm -hmm. I think the closest that I get to to this is like cards that I think are just annoying to track. So like any card that has day bound or night bound on it, I'm immediately like, I don't feel like putting this in the game because I don't want anyone to have to track this. It's not exactly the same, but it is sort of like a rules thing that I don't like incorporating into my game. Um, And then I I honestly think that I feel similarly about Cathar's Crusade, which is just like a headache to track a bunch of stuff. That card puts a plus one, plus one counter on each of your creatures each time a creature comes in. So you get like this situation where you need to be tracking like whole groups of creatures that all have like one more counter on them than each other. And it's just like a whole headache. 
So I think those are the closest things to like a rules thing I don't enjoy dealing with. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you, Mike. I think cards that take a lot of time to resolve and have a lot of triggers that you need to resolve are mm-hmm. ones that I'm finding that I don't really want to put in decks. Cathar's Crusade, I think, is like the ultimate example. And I hear this from a lot of EDH players where it's just an exercise in bookkeeping. Like, it's such a good card. It yeah. makes so many decks really, really powerful. But I just do not want to resolve it, man. I don't want to be flipping over hundreds of little dice and trying to, like, track that cleanly because yeah. it really isn't a great way. And it's going to make your board so, so messy. Actually, the more I think about this, though, the other thing that I don't run mechanically because I hate it is actually the thing they mentioned in the post, which is World Gorger Dragon. <laughs> Dude, I also hate World Gorger Dragon. <laughs> I, I hate World Gorger Dragon. I don't run World Gorger Dragon because it's so fragile and I've gotten yeah, yeah, exactly. so many times. I think times. it's garbage, it exactly. But the funny thing about that is that that's the exact opposite. Like Angel of Serenity, you do want to be doing that with in order to kind of abuse it. Whereas yeah. <laughs> World Gorger Dragon, you really don't want that to happen because that's how you get left with all of your permanents in exile yeah i i completely agree like super fragile strategies like that i just don't want to get blown out with a single piece of removal and lose like my whole board like world gorger dragon is really like the ultimate example of a high high ceiling and the lowest fucking floor possible Mm -hmm. the the floor is so low that it's just like a grave that's six feet below the ground surface you know this has happened to me many many fucking times yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's a weird combo to interact with, but once you find the moment to interact with, it's like it's just like glass. It just breaks apart. Oh yeah, it's super fragile. Um, the other thing that that I find that I'm not liking, and this kind of goes with like really complicated things, uh, Defiler of Vigor. I've been mm. playing with lately, and it's kind of giving me Cathar Crusade vibes, where every time you cast a green spell, you get to put plus one plus one counters on all the Absolutely. creatures you control. It's great, but it is like. Something I want to be doing quickly with a cast trigger, I need to tick up little dice and stuff like that. Yeah. And the other thing, which is something that we talked about the other day, the four of us after a game night, is Momir Vig. Right now I have Momir Vig in a Simic deck, and it's extremely powerful. Like Momir Vig, if people don't know it, when you cast a green creature spell, you get to search your library and put a creature on top of your library. So it's basically like a worldly tutor um, that gets triggered from casting green creatures. And then the other half of it is when you cast a blue creature, you reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature, I think you put it into your hand or something like that. But the problem with this is that it, it's like so much tutoring. Like if I'm having these bigger turns where I'm casting a lot of creatures, I'm constantly needing to tutor through my deck, find the right creature to put on top. And it, it just slows the game down. And I do think it's something that I'll get better at with more like repetition running the deck that has Momir Vig in it, but it has been, it, it's just this card when I see it come out, I'm like, oh man, like I, it, it's just, it just uses another higher level of like my brain and like having to stack my triggers and organize things that I'm not quite there yet with the familiarity of, of running this deck. And currently it's like enough where if I have it in my hand, I'm like, I don't really want to cast it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I think we all have those moments when it's like you play, you you draw into something or it comes out of your library or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. 
and it's a good oh shit it's good it's good for you but you're like fuck like this is gonna be so annoyingly complicated to yeah. not like resolve yes but, yeah and like cathars is a perfect example it's a great card but i used to run it in my gave deck and when i would draw it i would be like this like very likely will win me the game i don't want to cast it man yeah. I, it, it's one of those things where i wish i could cast cathars crusade and be like do we agree that I can maybe win here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so you can skip all the hard work. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do we think about the salt rating on this one? The salt rating on this one's a little hard because I think it, to me, the, the gist of the story is that it's a bit of like a rules dispute between a couple players. But I, I think everybody has cards and strategies that they do not like to play for a myriad of different reasons, whether it's like clunky, whether you disagree with how the effect actually triggers or resolves, or, you know, maybe it's something that like when you play it, like we were kind of postulating with this story, when you play it, it brings up a dispute in your play group about how it resolves. And that can just be salt inducing. And it's, you know, it's sort of like you don't want to deal with it. So it's, it seems to me like this is a story where the salt existed previously and you've done a big shift to avoid it which is just to say, well, I'm just not even going to fucking play that card and deal with that shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Sam, is it that time of the week? You know what, Tony? I think it is that time of the week. I mean, fucking lay, lay it on me. What time is it? It's the time of the week that comes every week. Every week, baby. Like, every fucking week. You know what I'm saying? Like, All not once week. a week. Like, well, it is once a week. Yeah, it is once a week. <laughs> every week. It actually is precisely once Minimum a week. four times a month, yeah. right? Or something Not once like a that. week. Well, it is once a week. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, four times a month. Sometimes it's five. Like, months can get weird like that, you know? Yeah. You never know. Is it three ever? Uh, It's the time of the week that comes every week. Yeah, maybe in February. Yeah. <laughs> it's the time of the week where we, we're just having a side conversation as we lead up to the salt card of the week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? The salty card of the week this week is. I counterspelled today, and now game night is done. I focused on the threat, or else they would have won. Pithing needle hits the board. And stops my combo win. I counter all your shit so you don't make that play again. What have I become? My sweetest friends. Every deck I make. Flashes blue in the end, and you could cast it all. Board wipes like farewell. I will shoot you down. I will counter spell. That was that was amazing. <laughs> that was hurt. 
as performed by Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, the original one written by uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Oof. And the lyrics were partially provided by Accidental TPK, who requested that. Just for the record, Nick also requested that I sing that song. Uh <laughs> Uh, but partial lyrics from Accidental TPK gave me a really good start, and then I workshopped it and tweaked it a little bit. What a jam. And, <laughs> in preview, that is what I'm going to record on the side and, <laughs> and really sing it. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be great. That one's so good. Yeah, I was looking forward to that one. Well, hit us with that salty card there, Mike. Well, thank you, Sam. That was a lovely and twangy salty song of the week oh dude that i'm gonna twang. crank the twang up you'll you'll yep. you'll hear it in the final cut <laughs> <laughs> the salty card of the week this week is nekusar the mind raiser know him and love him dude known loved discussed but let's hit it one more time it's two a blue a black and a red for a legendary creature zombie wizard at the beginning of each player's draw step that player draws an additional card Whenever an opponent draws a card, Nekusar the Mind Razor deals one damage to that player. Two, four. Hmm. Yep. Hell yeah. Tony, how do you feel about this one? You know, I don't really have the displeasure of having to see him very much. So I feel like he doesn't excite rage in me. Mm -hmm. But I, like literally everybody is like, ugh. Like, nobody's happy when somebody pulls out a Nekusar deck. And they're, like, all the fucking same. It's just like, okay, cool. We're just going to wheel a bunch of times, and then you kill us. Like, it's not, like, exciting. It's not innovative. It's not different. And I feel bad because somebody built it. Like, they wanted to do the thing. And I'm like, well, guess what? Nobody fucking cares. <laughs> um, I don't know what to tell you. Like, sorry. Sucks to suck. <laughs> so I feel bad for people that build it at this point. It's almost more of where it is. Like the salt is in the, the poor people that decided it's a good idea to build yet another fucking Nekusar deck. I'd love to know how many goddamn Nekusar decks exist on the database as a whole. But I think those are my general vibes around it. Well, we will get there. Sam, how do you feel about it? I think Tony said it really well. Uh, for me, Nekusar does get me a little bit salty when I play against it. But the thing is, Nekusar is such a known quantity that, like, when I see a Nekusar deck across the table, I know what's going to happen. Like, I think sometimes things that make me salty are, like, a card in a deck that I didn't expect where someone drops, like, a random stacks piece or, or something weird like that or play patterns that are are hard to play through. Nekusar isn't that hard to play through because everyone's kind of in the same boat. You're drawing a lot of cards and sometimes discarding a lot. But it's just such a known thing. I think the thing that really makes me salty about Nekusar is when the Nekusar player is like mad that they're getting targeted or is like, why are you guys getting frustrated with yeah, this deck? Yeah, I'm just drawing you cards. Yeah, like any any kind of deflection from the Nekusar player to be like, I'm just doing my thing. I'm like, okay, like we all know what's going on here. I think you can chill. And yeah. We will continue to focus you, you know? Yeah. But it's it's not super salty. I mean, I played against it a bunch over the years. I think most recently has been against Pat. And again, yep. you know what's coming. He's going to make you draw cards. It's going to be kind of group huggy, but group sluggy. And then he's gaming towards a wheel win or something along those lines. And you just kind of got to hold up your interaction and get ready for those moments. And when those moments happen, if you can respond, then you're totally fine. Uh, so it's not like something that makes me super salty, but 
it is clearly a salty mm -hmm. card. I think maybe yeah. I'm just numb to it from all the stories and shit that we get for it. I think yeah. the the one other thing I missed quick before we get to Mike's thoughts is also that like these tend to slow the game down. Yeah. Like I noticed when I was playing Locust God all the time, which is the same thing, just like wheels on wheels. People like look at their hand and get a plan for the next turn and then they get wheeled and they change it and then they get wheeled again and they're like, oh, I got to change it again. And mm. like it slows it down because people don't know what they're going to do. Like I wheel and then I pass it to Sam who's like, well, I got a fresh seven. Now my turn's completely different and I yeah. have to look yeah. at like all the guards. So like it tends to slow things down as a result uh, as well. But yeah, anyway, that's a good point. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you guys have definitely hit a lot of it like the wheels are obviously like the big strategy that you want to run with this and there's all kinds of implications from what a wheel does of making everyone drawing a fresh seven and repeatedly having to like deal with a an updated board i'm gonna skip around a little bit here there are thirteen thousand decks with nekusar it's it's ranked 20 on edh rec thousand yeah it is ranked 20th most popular commander in edh rec and there are 12,000 decks with a wheels theme for Nekusar. <laughs> so it's like almost all yeah. of the Nekusar decks. It's like the only way you can people build are building. Like... Yeah, are, are building it with that. And then there's a sprinkling of people trying to do zombies with it. <laughs> it's just like, so cheeky. Good on you. Good on you if you're out there. But I think you're right. I think some of the stuff that often ups the, the salt levels on Nekusar are slapping uh infect on him which is a cult classic i think oh, sure yeah mm -hmm. uh, and then it's like okay i literally have 11 cards to try and find an answer for nekusar or i'm dead or 10 cards to try and find an answer for nekusar or i'm yeah. dead yeah or i have three because he just wheeled me <laughs> yeah right or i have three more now because i just got wheeled exactly but I, I also heavily agree with kind of the known quantity aspect like you read this card and it's very clear what it's going to try and do. And as yeah. we're seeing in some of the like stats of the deck, like you do know what it's going to do. And then it does that. Yeah. Uh, so it's not shocking or, or surprising. And I don't even think it's necessarily particularly like it's strong. It's on the, maybe some of the higher ends of being strong. There's strong things you can synergize with it, but it's not like innately a ridiculous busted card. That's frustrating to play against. Because of the stats you said, I think it's a very common salty commander to face. And, and like you said, you read it and it tells you exactly what the deck is going to do. And you can surmise like exactly the board state you're going to be playing into. It, it's almost like baby's first salty commander. Because it's so common, I think every LGS probably has like at least one person bringing a Nekusar deck at some point yeah. that you play against. Like I remember I was first getting into Commander, went to my old LGS back in college and sat down, played a three-player game with a Nekusar deck. And I was like, what the fuck does this guy do? And we just promptly got stomped immediately <laughs> by this deck. And I was yeah. just like, okay, like I see it now. I see what this does. And I, I think that's a common experience for a lot of commander players. You come up against the Nexar deck, you're like, oh, this guy might be interesting. You just get absolutely ripped. And then every time you play against it after that, you're like, well, okay, I know what to expect and I know how mm -hmm. to combat it. It's not quite like Turgrid and things like that where, you know, like the discard and theft really adds to the salt. It is just going to be burn and like hand disruption manipulation, forcing you to draw cards, discard cards, wheel, things like that. 
and that's how it's going to get there. But it's, it's pretty linchpinny, easy to disrupt if you got the removal uh, on hand. And, you know, I mean, it's it's salty, but I, I don't know how salty it's going to be in this this final list here. All right. Well, perfect lead in because it is now time to guess where it lies on the top 300 saltiest cards. I'm locked in, baby. He's locked in. I'm about to lock in. He did it so fast. I'm locked in. I'm locked in now. <laughs> All right. Reveal your answers. 79. 189. Tony has gotten you again. What the fuck? Tony's wrecked, cheating, dude. Bitch. He's cheating. He's <laughs> in looking the last it up. episode. We learned that Tony studies the salty card list. <laughs> study the list. I just use my big brain to figure it out. It is 294. Whoa! Yeah. Barely, yep. barely in. Way deep, way deep there on the salty card. I mean, I mean, it's in 13,000 decks. It's the 20th most popular commander, right? So it's yeah. like, in general, that just means that people are like building it. <laughs> so yeah. like, they're not going to say it's salty. That's true. But it is such a common, like I said, like babies for a salty commander. Like it's such a common salty experience playing against Nekusar. I, mm-hmm. I just thought it would get more votes you know what I, I mean think, i think because it's so popular i i really do think like i've seen less of it like i think this is almost like legacy like if this was asked five years ago or something like people would be like god this commander fucking sucks but i do think that like that's like legacy decks that you see that have been built and like people just don't they're, they're bored by it like there's still <laughs> yeah. people building it but they're they're not salty about it. They're just like whatever. You're gonna do yeah. the thing, and like people just kind of don't care. They're, it's like interesting. Yeah, I think there's a mix of stuff going on. Like one, I think. I mean, it is still the top 300 cards for salt, right? So it's still pretty salty. But I also think there's some high variance in like the consideration of the saltiness. Probably as we get farther down the list of saltiness, like the difference between 290 and 280 is probably very different in than the difference between salty number one and salty number 10. But yeah, I think mm. you guys nailed it. Well, I your guesses it. were awful. Your guesses were bad, but my you guess was the good. reasoning on why. <laughs> I do want to throw out that the, the range of 300 is going to make our guesses seem way worse than the range of 100. So that's really true. you're at. Fault. I don't know. I yeah. think uh, I was pretty close. Well, one of, yeah, I don't think it's definitely were. changed the game. The meta has definitely shaken up. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have to actually be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Not just plus or minus 50. <laughs> like, I'm just, yes. just going to do 150 every time, man. I'm back to binary <laughs> system. Fuck this game. Let me min-max, dude. <laughs> the, the whole Nekusar thing, though, it does make me wonder, like... If other salty commanders were way more powerful, would they have a lower salt rating? Like if Turgrid, for some reason, everybody was like, fuck yeah, Turgrid, and was running Turgrid all the time, and you were just seeing it all the time, would the overall EDH meta shift Turgrid to a lower salt level? Because we'd know how to face it, we know how to deal with it, uh, and you'd just see it more often? No, because I think it's so different. It denies, re- like anything that denies me the ability to use my resources or takes them away, I think we'll always have more salt than things that are doing stuff in their own little world, but yeah. are really fucking annoying. Yep. Like, I'm not saying it isn't annoying for Nekusar to like have me wheel all the time and draw cards, but like there's things like Narset. 
to like stop people from drawing cards, but they're not doing that because they want you to draw cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's you can like take the damage. you're generally always like not hurting for your own resources, and I think those are things that like it doesn't matter how prevalent it becomes. Like I almost would expect it to be banned at that point because it'd be like the meta's gotten toxic and everybody hates it. So now yeah. Turgrid's fucking banned. Yeah. Because we can't have nice toys. For context, Turgrid is number 88, rank yeah. 88 on Commanders. It's got 7,500. 7, Still so It's like 6,000 less. That is a really interesting point, though, about like the draw denial. Like Nexusar wants to be wheeling, but it almost does not want that second component of wheeling, which is like having some kind of, you know, like a notion thief where you steal all the wheels or a Narset where people yeah. get fully denied because you kind of want them to draw. I mean, there's still some things like Bowmasters and shit like that that are going to be very, very good with a Nekusar. You know what there is with Nekusar? Chains of Mephistopheles. Oh, yeah. Stinky, dude. But that Stinky. card's like, like $800. Yeah, but everyone's running it. Everyone's out here running it. Oh, <laughs> and also that card fucking sucks to resolve. It's so annoying to read, dude. Yep. Good salty card, though. Well, on that note, that wraps it up for the salty card of the week. Thanks for playing. Thanks, Mike. That was a really good one. Good discussion on that. And thank you to our Salt Packet Plus tier members for supporting the podcast. You know we got to shout you out. Did you think I wasn't going to do it? Do you have no faith in me? <laughs> this week, we got Rothbox. Yep. Bathroom Entity. Yep. Bobo Fett. Yep. Chameleon. Yep. Clearbrook. Yep. Hey. Dead Gan. Yeah. Captain Cross. Yeah. Vok. Yeah. Ebs. And Joe Danson. Woohoo. <laughs> thank you for the support. And thank you to all the other prospectors out there that tune in every single week to our fun little show. Laugh with us, get salty with us, all that good shit. Thank you for tuning in every single week. It really means a lot. And if you're looking for more Howling Saltmine content, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Saltmine. We've got a bunch of extra salt episodes in there. We have a bunch of stray grains in there. I think at this point, I mentioned it in a couple episodes ago. I think at this point, it's like an additional 26 hours of content or something in that ballpark. So if you've already gone through all the Howling Saltmine stuff, gone through our backlog and you're craving for more, that's where you're going to find it. We also have a thriving Discord community. We're doing monthly Patreon game nights. We have a bunch of fun conversations and debates that we're having in there pretty much daily. It's a very active Discord community, which is really, really fun. So if you're looking to like chit chat with us and pal around, hop on in the Discord, check it out. We got bonus episodes. Actually, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but we have bonus episodes even at our lowest tier. There is our one year anniversary episode that we put out that every patron gets access to. And it's really, really funny. It is a good episode. So you can, you can check that <laughs> shit out. Excuse me while I reach around and pat myself on the back. <laughs> I mean, it's good, dude. Uh, here's a preview. We're going to do something similar for our second year anniversary because it's that was really fucking funny when we made yeah. that episode. <laughs> that was a good time. Another way you can support the show is to send us your salty stories. You can do that through our website, howlingsaltmine.com or thehowlingsaltmine.com. Both avenues are going to get you there. Or you can send it directly to our Gmail if that's what you prefer, thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Another thing you can do to support the show is check out our bonfire store. We've got awesome t-shirts and merchandise for sale on there. And we are hoping to get those Howling Saltmine sleeves back in stock soon. So just keep an ear to the ground for that. And we will have more merchandise coming later this year. Everything is in plan, in motion. Things are happening, folks. 
Another thing you can do to be helpful for the show is to give us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app of choice. That's right. I'm talking Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, I think is going away later this year. So, hey, we'll fucking deal with that. But <laughs> any podcast app you use, a five-star <laughs> review is really helpful and helps us stick out in the algorithm and lets other soon-to-be prospectors find us in the wild and fall in love with this little show that we like so much. And we got to shout him out at the end of every episode. J.D. Burnett, thank you for creating this lovely podcast art that we rock every single week. If you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit him up and get a tattoo. He's a really cool guy. 10,000 subscribers are bust. And that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in again. Stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Shall we hit a last... Wait. How many did we do? That was three. Is it that time of the fucking... Whoa, shut the... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I bet bet that time? (laughs) Can I bet that dog? Can I bet that dog? All right, settle down, settle down. Is it... What is... Which time of the week is it? (laughs) You want to take that again? Another thing that you can do to help out the show is go get a tattoo from J.D. Burnett. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I fucked that up. Uh, <laughs> Dude, it was great when Nick played that Howling Mine in our game the other day, and I I had to, had to, look, I had it to look it up to remind myself what it did. <laughs> and I that fucking say great. that every week. And like, you do. It's because I say it when I'm on autopilot, and when the actual card shows up, I'm like, I was like, was it my upkeep or my end step when I draw the card? <laughs> I just could not remember. Shameful. <laughs>